This episode of TGC Podcast is sponsored by Acts 29 with an invitation to their 2024 Next Conference happening April 15th through the 17th in Dallas, Texas. You don't want to miss this great lineup of speakers, including Sam Albury, Matt Chandler, Brian Loritz, John Piper, and more. The Next Conference will equip and encourage church planters and church leaders of all types for church ministry. To learn more and register for Next, visit acts29.com slash next. TGC podcast listeners will receive a special discount of $20 off registration prices by using the code TGC. Again, visit acts29.com slash next. That's acts29.com slash next. The Veritas Forum has hosted conversations that matter across different worldviews for almost 30 years. Now they've teamed up with PRX, whose award-winning portfolio includes This American Life, to produce a new podcast called Beyond the Forum. In each episode, host Bethany Jenkins, a former editor at the Gospel Coalition, invites a Christian scholar to join her and explore life's biggest questions. The second season on Science and God is available now wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Gospel Coalition Podcast, equipping the next generation of believers, pastors, and church leaders to shape life and ministry around the gospel. Today you'll hear a discussion between Emily Jensen, Jen Oshman, Vanitha Rendell Reisner, and Kristen Wetherill, titled Experiencing God in Your Affliction. This talk was originally recorded at TGC's 2021 Women's Conference. Suffering is a part of all of our lives, and it's tempting when we suffer to pull away from God. But all of us today are going to talk to you about experiencing God in your pain and how when we draw towards God, we really can find a deeper relationship with Him. And so we're going to start off today, though, just introducing ourselves and telling you a little bit about our experience with suffering. And we'll start with you, Emily. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Emily, and... Um, Definitely have had a lot of different things throughout my life that I would consider, you know, painful or suffering. Um, but just more recently, actually, before we even came to this conference, um, we've been walking through a recent cancer diagnosis with a very close family member and just some really challenging medical things going on in our family. But I would say probably the most ongoing pain we've walked through in the last few years has been with our fourth son. Um, so I had a regular pregnancy with him and delivered a healthy baby boy in the hospital. Everything seemed normal and we were sent home. Um, we were a very busy family at all babies and toddlers, but eventually started to notice that he was missing milestones and super happy, but you know, wasn't really rolling over, wasn't sitting up wasn't doing a lot of the things my other kids did at that age. And so we started down the road of understanding what was going on and not really knowing, hey, he'll probably catch up. We weren't really sure. Um, but eventually that led us to different doctors and different doctors and people weren't really sure what was wrong. Um, he got to be about 12 to 18 months old and it was really evident at that point, you know, he's not sitting up. Um, not nearing walking, anything like that, that we really needed to 
to understand because there's some really scary hard things that can happen. Uh, so through that, we saw a geneticist and um, I still remember where I was standing in the kitchen when I got a phone call from our genetic doctor and he said, I think that you guys need to come into my office tomorrow and hear the results of the test. And of course, you know immediately when they want you to come see them that it's not great news. Um, and so that night was kind of a real turning point for me. Um, I remember sitting on our back deck and just tears rolling down my cheeks because I knew that we were never going to go back to time before that moment, before that diagnosis. And so we did. He was diagnosed with a, a rare genetic syndrome that um, I think was only discovered like five or seven years ago, so they don't know that much about it. Um, but the prognosis was pretty good and thought, hey, he may be walking and talking, going into preschool. He may catch up pretty well. We don't know. Um, but now he is, he'll be six this summer. He's just a tremendous joy in our lives. Um, but he, he's totally nonverbal and so doesn't even really use a communication device. Um, so I've never heard him say, you know, mama or I want this. Um, so it can be hard to communicate with him. And he still doesn't walk independently. So around our house he crawls or finds his own way to get around um, and uses a wheelchair for any type of long back and forth um, and an assisted walker at school. And so he's, it's just, it's been a long journey for us. This is something that my husband and I, when we talk about our future, we say us and our son, you know, we, we talk about it like that. I think it's a long-term road for us and, and one that's had a lot of joyful moments, but a lot of painful ones. My name is Jen Oshman. It's great to be with you all tonight, um, or this afternoon, whatever time of day it is. Um, but my experience with pain um, really stems from my nuclear family. So I was born in a household that did not profess Christ, and my parents divorced when I was eight years old. And then I went to live with my mom for a week and my dad for a week for the next 10 years of life until I went away to college. And both households, there was different pain in each household. Um, there was significant substance abuse in one of the households. So just um, some of that childhood pain that I continue to process even now as a mom myself. But so, um, really my childhood and, and the home, the family that I come from. Then my, um, when my husband and I got married, we felt the Lord calling us overseas to the mission field. So we um, lived overseas for about 15 years in Japan and the Czech Republic. And we moved overseas with um, our firstborn as a newborn baby. So we raised our children um, in foreign countries without family nearby. So that was, that's sort of another shaping influence, um, a season of pain for us. When we were overseas, the Lord called us to international adoption, and we had the joy of bringing home a 12-year-old daughter. So we had a 7-year-old, 5-year-old, and 3-year-old daughter, and then the Lord called us to be mom and dad to a 12-year-old. So then we entered the pain of parenting and loving a child who grew up with significant trauma and um, continues to process that trauma. So as an adoptive family, walking that road together. Um, and then just more recently, um, we have had um, genetic illness diagnosed in our family with multiple people um, with a carrying familial ALS. And so that has been somewhat of an umbrella of concern and pain. Um, and then lastly, I'll just share that my father passed away last year or two years ago, but without knowing the Lord. So um, 
just losing, losing a dear one outside of Christ has definitely been a painful and shaping influence as well. So my sources of pain tend to be nuclear family related, um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing with all, all of you about God's faithfulness and hearing your stories too. My name is Kristen, and about 12 years ago, I started dealing with a lot of chronic pain uh, that apparently had no source. Um, I went to about eight or nine specialty doctors, and nobody could tell me what was going wrong. They would all say, I don't know, your blood work looks good, you are young, you're probably fine, maybe you're just stressed about it. Um, but I knew that something wasn't right, and flash forward a few years, my husband and I had just gotten married, and in God's kind providence, he led me to a Lyme literate physician, and um, that doctor heard my story. I think we spent about four hours with him that first appointment, uh, did a bunch of blood work himself, and he said, we have every reason to believe that you're struggling with Lyme disease. Um, so I started a treatment plan for that. And um, I'm feeling a lot better. A lot of my symptoms have subsided. But with that history has come some chronic nerve damage pain that has stuck with me and makes motherhood really hard. I have two little kids who never slow down. Um, and therefore, I never slow down. Um, so I'm always dealing with that. And, um, and it's brought on just some weird things, too, like a chronic jaw pain and just things that should be easy, like talking aren't. Um, so I've dealt with a lot of chronic pain through that. And um, another part of our story is, you know, we're so, so glad that we were able to get pregnant and have a little girl. My daughter is three and a half years old. Um, but in between she and my son, who's almost a year, we did have a miscarriage. And um, that's, you know, apparently pretty common. One in five I've read. Um, but that doesn't make it easy. It's really, really painful. So we walked through that as well. Um, so a lot of our history has to do with um, a lot of physical pain and suffering. I'm definitely looking forward to hearing what everyone has to say about this. Um, so I'm beneath the Reisner, and my experience with suffering started pretty young. Um, when I was three months old, I contracted polio. We were in India. The doctors had no idea what I had because polio, they thought, had been eradicated. The vaccine had been developed a decade earlier. So they didn't know what I had. They gave me the wrong medicine. And within a couple of days, I was a quadriplegic. And they realized that they had made a mistake. They gave me cortisone. So most of my life, my parents left India. We moved to England and then moved to Canada, and I just started having surgeries. So by the time I was 13, I had 21 operations. And I was a quadriplegic when I first got polio, but then I was able to, through all the surgeries and exercising twice a day, every day, was able to walk. Um, took my first steps when I was seven. Lived a pretty normal life. Came to Christ and really thought, my life is going to be great. I mean, I honestly thought, I am done with my suffering, no more suffering. And that was good. That was 10 years of not a lot of suffering, but then uh, got married to a guy I met in grad school and had, had several miscarriages and then had a son who had a hypoplastic left heart, um, which means he had half a heart. So he had surgery at birth and was doing really well, but a substitute doctor, when he was almost seven weeks old, took him off his medicine, thinking he was doing so well, and he died. And that was a moment for me. You know, this panel is on experiencing God in your pain, and I was not ready for that. I did not think that believers would have to go through that. I thought when I came to Christ, my life was gonna be great, 
So I really pulled away from God, and yet God, through lots of things, met me, which was pretty incredible, and had a different view of what the Christian life was and suffering. And I once again thought, okay, now I'm done with my suffering. But then um, six years after our son died, I was diagnosed with post-polio syndrome, which is basically my body is going backwards. And with post-polio syndrome, you basically can deteriorate back to the way you were when you first got polio. And I was a quadriplegic, so my muscles are failing. I don't use my arms very well. I use a wheelchair most of the time. And that has been a struggle for me, just realizing that everything I do, the one thing with post-polio is the more you do, the weaker you get. So I make decisions every day and have for a number of years on, am I gonna spend my energy on that? And that's, that's been a real struggle for me and a way that I've really had to connect with God of, do I help my kids? Do I do that? Because I know there's gonna be a cost. And then six years after that diagnosis, um, my husband left and I raised two adolescent daughters as a single parent. And that, that was the hardest for me at the time because I just, it was so personal. I mean, everything else was kind of like that happened to me, but when our son, um, when our son died, I walked through that with my husband, but he was gone and my kids were angry. So I get rebellious, angry teenagers and yet God was faithful uh, to me, and I knew he would be faithful because he had been faithful through all of those really hard things. And I would say I drew closest to God through that last thing, which was the hardest. And so I would say I wouldn't trade any of those things for the way that I know Jesus now. So grateful for that. So that's my story in a nutshell. Well, we just have some questions that we'd love to talk about with each other. and. Um, love for you guys to be part of that. Um, so our first question that we want to talk about is practically, how has God met you when you felt that you were on the, at, at the end of your rope? And Emily, I'd just love it if you would start with that. Yeah, it's a good question because we have five children who are still pretty young. Um, you know, I do a little bit of work part-time. My husband obviously has a full-time job. We're really busy. And so often when pain or grief strikes, like there's a meal that needs to get on the table. I need to get ready for school the next day. There's a thing that I need to get done. And so I've often found that it's not a moment where I can just be like, hey, you know, I need to go cry or I need a few hours off. It's just felt like, okay, Lord, what can I hang on to to get to the next moment to experience your presence in this? And I think one of the things that's helped me a lot is just really rich hymns because I can't always like, start quoting a scripture, I think that would be great. Sometimes I am literally that deep in where all I can do is sing. And I remember um, singing How Firm a Foundation when my son was really young and we would rock at night. And, and that got me through so much because those verses actually walk through a lot of metaphors about the trials of life and how God sanctifies us in that. Um, some other specific hymns that have helped me is I Ask the Lord, I don't know who that's by, but again, it's another story of somebody who prays for grace and peace, and the way that the Lord brings that to them is through trials and suffering. Um, William Cowper has a hymn, um, oh, I can't find it in here, oh, God Moves in Mysterious Ways, and that's another one that talks about how sometimes we just see the clouds 
but behind that, you know, God is working blessing in our lives through hard things. And so some singing hymns is sometimes like all I can do. Maybe I can remember only one verse and that's really helped me. Um, and I think another thing, um, at the beginning of the year, um, our son had a pretty significant seizure and had to be hospitalized. And I was processing through it with one of our pastors and he encouraged me as I was giving this narrative and I was just telling him all the horrible things that... <laughs> all the things I saw, heard. He was so kind to affirm that, but also said, don't forget to keep hope attached to the horrible, that there's another narrative going on, that God was being gracious and kind in that, and for me to recount some ways that maybe I saw that too, that were a little harder. Um, and as I look back, one story in particular that sticks out to me was, I remember several years ago, when we went to an appointment and found out for the first time that my son was going to need a wheelchair, I just remember thinking like, oh, that's so hard. Um, and I came out, walking out of the building and just felt so discouraged and just couldn't even imagine that. And I want to back up a little bit and tell you about our vehicle that we have. So we thought we would have more children. We bought this gigantic van. looks like a delivery truck. So <laughs> we get confused with FedEx. It's okay. Um, but anyway, so we've, after my son's diagnosis, we said, okay, we're probably done. And I had been complaining to my husband, like, why did we get this big, ugly van? You know, like, why don't we have a cool SUV? But I found out the reason when we came out of that appointment and opened the double doors of our van and there is an empty spot right there that is the perfect size for my son's wheelchair and that was just a moment where I saw there was hope there attached to the horrible God was with me and he knew what was going to happen before I even did and was providing yeah wow thank you that's great Emily anybody else have anything to add yeah, I was thinking about this and how um, the church is called the body of Christ for a reason. The church is the hands and feet of Christ. And one of the sweetest ways that the Lord himself met me was through his people. And it's hard when you're at the end of your rope because nobody wants to be weak. <laughs> nobody wants to ask for help. It's very difficult to do, to lay aside that pride. But what a sweet not only what a sweet gift can you give to your brothers and sisters in Christ, the gift of service, um, but what a sweet gift to receive. And there were countless times when people provided food for us, cleaned my house because I couldn't, <laughs> just sweet, sweet gifts, watched my kids. Um, so that's what it makes me think of, like receive the gift of mercy and comfort through God's people because they are his hands and his feet. Yeah, it's amazing all the ways that God meets us just through hymns and people when we're at the end of our road. So suffering, though, often for all of us in some ways has come unexpectedly. And sometimes we wonder, how can we prepare, if we're, especially if we're not suffering now or if something might come down the road? And so do you have any, anybody, I'd love to talk about what tools have you used and how have you prepared for suffering that has come in your life? Yeah, I think we are all inevitably going to experience suffering. Nobody gets a pass on this one, whether it's physical or emotional or our families or otherwise. It's coming for us one way or another in ways that we probably can't foresee. And so I, I think that much of the Christian walk is really preparing for these trials to come because if you aren't prepared when they happen, 
really at that point, it's too late. If you don't have the structures and the support and the systems around you, when a crisis hits, it's really hard to rally the support that you need when you are reeling in your pain. And so my encouragement to every person in here is to be intentional and careful and spending prayerfully spending your time. How can I build up the scaffolding around me and my family for when these moments come. And I really do think that the Lord works in three ways. Now, not just only these three ways, but there's sort of three principles that I'm always just reminding myself of and encouraging my friends with, that the Lord really works through his word, his people, and his spirit. And so the best way you can prepare for suffering tomorrow is to be in the word today and to be singing it, to be hearing it, those scripture lullabies or other ways that you can just get scripture in your ears, to be memorizing it. Honestly, I don't think I've ever done anything more powerful to change me from the inside out than memorizing the word of God. Um, And not necessarily because you feel like it's something for today, but trusting that the Lord is going to use his word tomorrow or today or in 10 years. But the word, if you're not in the word today, you will not be ready tomorrow. And then the people of God. Kristen has already um, spoken to this so well, but the local church is Jesus' means of grace to you and to me. Conferences like this are wonderful. They're like a fabulous shot in the arm, but they are not the local church. And we will wither without our brothers and sisters routinely with us, not just on Sunday morning, but throughout the week, women that we can text and be really real with and say, hey, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm walking through. Can you help me? Can you remind me of the gospel right now? Because I'm having a hard time believing it. I know I know it, but I'm not feeling it if you could pray for me. Me right now and remind me of what is true. We just need the people of God, so fi- find them. Do what it takes to find them. And then lastly, the Spirit of God. Just be cultivating that prayer life, remembering that the Holy Spirit, the risen Jesus, lives inside of you. He has not abandoned you. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, and that is real. You are not alone in your pain. Our king lives with us. We abide in him. And so really calling on him and asking the spirit to move and to help in the, in the midst of pain. And he will. That's God help is a prayer that he answers every time. Mm, yeah. Well, that's a great thing to remember that the word, God's people and the spirit. And I would say um, one other thing that has helped me or maybe two is one is developing a theology of suffering. And I know that sounds strange and like huge words, but just understanding that God is going to be in your suffering. And for me, when it first hit, I thought, where is God? God doesn't care. God is gone. And just telling yourself now, whatever is going to come into my life tomorrow, if I get off the plane and and I get bad news, God is going to be in this. He's going to walk with me through it. And just telling yourself that, that suffering is not a punishment from God. And I love the scripture, you know, it says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So if you know the Lord, your suffering will never be, there will be no punishment for you. So just kind of understanding that was huge for me. And it took me a while to get there. And another thing that I would say is reading Christian biographies, like reading books like The Hiding Place or Johnny Erickson Tata has great books, and just understanding how people who have suffered have done it well and and have honestly struggled as well, but you just see it played out in people's lives, and I find that's really helpful because when I just read truth, it's great, but I need a story sometimes around it to really relate to it. 
And so that's another thing that I would recommend doing now is just preparing, like if suffering comes, what am, what am I gonna think about God and watching it through people's lives? So, but I love one of the things you mentioned is the word and that really is critical. And I know, Christian, you have done, you've written beautifully about the word and I would just love to hear how the word is ministered to you in suffering. Yeah, well, with suffering comes a lot of feelings, a lot of emotions, um, sorrow and grieving and lament, um, bitterness, some doubt, even despair. Some of us struggle with depression related to our suffering. And what I have found so helpful um, is that scripture helps me in at least two ways here. Um, it gives voice to my feelings gives language to my feelings. I am not alone. There is a great cloud of witnesses that has gone before me, and um, the Psalms are a great example of this. But not just that, scripture actually leads my feelings into the truth. It takes my heart in hand and counsels me because the spirit works through the word. And so I don't stop with feeling, but I bring my feeling to the throne of grace and um, it helps me to exercise faith in Christ, to take all that I'm dealing with to him and to say, um, who are you, Jesus? I need to see you for who you are so that I can trust you more. Um, and I've been reflecting on the resurrection account from the Gospel of John lately, and I love this because Mary is, one, is the first person who sees the risen Christ, and she's weeping. Of course she's weeping. Her friend is gone. She thinks that that's the end. What was all of that for? And he appears to her, and he speaks to her, and everything changes. And that's what the word of God is. It's God speaking through his spirit. So that's what's been so helpful for me is that this is a living and active word. This is not just a book. It's God Almighty speaking through this book. Um, so that's how it's really helped, helped me in times of suffering. Oh, yeah, great. Anybody else? I know for all of us the word has been huge, but I'd just love to hear from I mean, I would, I would add that we are all being discipled by something. Um, and I think more often than not, we're all being discipled by Instagram <laughs> and our Facebook feed and other things that are online. And we're just ingesting messages. Or maybe you're not on social media, but you're just ingesting other messages that are coming at us all the time. And so we do have to be really intentional about what will shape our thoughts, what will shape the passive thoughts within us. And so I just agree so much with Kristen that we have to ask the Lord to use his word to lead our emotions and to change us from the inside out. And he will do that. Um, I think that, that scripture memory is just so key. And I know that maybe sounds so hard or maybe so foreign, but even just one verse at a time, there's something so rich about ruminating over that specific verse or that paragraph over and over that's a little bit different than reading a paragraph or a chapter in the morning, which is also huge and key and is a, a slow shaper over time. But to actually memorize it, I think, um, then you can call on it. You find it changes your vocabulary. It makes you prepared. It gives you the theology of suffering that you need. Um, so I just encourage, memorize scripture as, as much as you can. Yeah. Yeah, scripture has been huge for me, especially after my husband left. I remember just feeling at the end of my rope and 
going in, opening the Bible, and reading Psalm 119. And Psalm 119 is all about the Word and the power of the Word. And honestly, for years, I thought it was the most boring Psalm in the Bible. It's 176 verses about the Word. And I used to think, how can you just read that many? But that day, I opened the Bible, and Psalm 119.25 says, my soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. And I would say that every day. Like, it was a simple psalm and a simple verse, and I would say that every day. And God meets us through the word. I think all of us would say it's life-changing, picking up the word and having God talk to you. So, yeah, I just... Psalm 16, 8, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Just a simple reminder, a simple truth like that. Yeah. So, and I don't know if either of you have verses that you go to, but I I just love having a, just one even short verse. I don't know. It looks like you... Yeah, I I think of Psalm 139, the even there passages Mm -hmm. where the psalmist is talking about, if I go up to heaven you're there. If I go down to Sheol, you are there. You know, that he cannot hide from the presence of the Lord and that the Lord will be with him in all of it. And that's so comforting to me when I need to play out a situation and realize even there, God will be with me. Yes. Yeah, mine is actually quite similar to that. It's Habakkuk in chapter three at the very end of Habakkuk where he talks about even if the Lord does not produce fruit, even if there's no blossom, even if there's no food, even if we hunger, even then I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Um, And all those years growing up as I found the Lord, you know, in my teen years and my father um, never came to faith. And so for about 20 years, I was just so worried about him dying outside of the faith. And that was what I would go to, even if, even, you know, and you put yourself, as um, Emily just said, you put yourself in those scenarios and you play them out. But even if, even the Lord is there and he is good and he's still the God of my salvation, even if the worst comes to pass. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so I would just encourage everyone to just find a verse and have that be your go-to. Because for me, I can't remember a lot of things, but I can remember a short verse. And sometimes, you, know, you had mentioned, Kristen, just saying, help me. And that's, that's great. I mean, there's Psalms which say, help me. And just having something that you say when trouble comes. Um, the other thing we wanted to talk about is just how do we respond when suffering comes? And are there truths that we hold on to? And as I was praying about this, um, there's probably three things I try to remember when suffering comes. And they're pretty simple. One is talk to God, and then listen to God, and focus on what you know. And talk to God for me is lament. And that is just being honest with God, because I think it's really easy to fall into, if I can't say anything nice, I won't say anything at all. And I, that's why I drew away from God for a long time after my son died, because I didn't know what to say. And yet the Psalms have these beautiful, um, just outpourings of the psalmists on life is hard. And so I would encourage you, if you wonder where God is in your pain, is to really open the Psalms up and, and put yourself in those. And just talk to God throughout the day. So that's one thing, is talk to God and then listen to God. And listening to God for me is reading the Bible, as we've talked about, just spending time opening up, opening it up and asking God to speak to you. I often will say from Samuel, you know, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And just sit with silence and let God respond 
because God often speaks to me that way. And then the last thing I would say is focus on what you know. And in suffering, there's so many things we don't know. Like for Emily, you don't know what the future is for your son. And none of us just, we don't know in the middle of line, you don't know what the future is or with your father. And so we go through things, we don't know the future, but there's so many things we do know. And I think rather than ask the question why or what have I done or what's gonna happen, which is my first go-to, honestly, then my second go-to is what do I know? I know God is with me. God will never leave me. He will never fail me or forsake me. I know that my suffering has a purpose. I may not see it in this life, but I know that God is using it for something. And then the last thing is my suffering is going to end. It may end in this life. It may be this miraculous, wonderful change. And that's wonderful. But it may be in heaven when God will make all things new. So whatever you are dealing with now, one day in heaven, it will be made new. And uh, Randy Alcorn has the saying, happily ever after is a blood-bought promise for those of us in Christ. So just remembering, happily ever after is coming no matter what we have been through, whatever we're dealing with. So that's, those are the truths that I hold on to that I have to remind myself because suffering can kind of overtake you. And so I think just grounding yourself on, these are the things I want to remember. And I'd love to hear what you guys ground yourselves with. Well, just, just to kind of jump piggyback on that of lamenting and, and sharing with God, of just bringing in others as well, talking to friends. I know I am more of a stoic person. I don't cry easily. I probably look more polished and put together. And so it's just been an act of humility for me at times to tell friends, family, people at church, hey, I'm struggling with this or this appointment is coming up. Will you pray with me? Will you lament with me when I am struggling? That has been a huge, huge gift um, as I process through hard things. And then I think just really practically something that's helped me recently, and I'm not you know, a doctor or a counselor, I'm just kind of speaking out of my own experience, is when I'm walking through pain, it tends to be a time when I need to be even more diligent about some of the basic things that keep me physically healthy and kind of keep me from crutching on wrong things or you know, dangerous things, because I think we're all, you know, we're weak and you get down enough or tired enough over a long period of time and our flesh can get the better of us. So I think things like trying to make sure I, I go to bed early if I can, that I'm getting enough sleep, um, not feeling guilty if I have to sleep in a little bit extra so that I can be rested to face what's ahead for the day. Um, I go in and out of seasons of exercise, but if I'm able to do that, realizing that has a real effect on my body thinking through what I'm eating, what I'm watching, what I'm taking in, what other things I'm reading. I've even found that in certain seasons of pain, I may not be able to read the news as much or I may need to filter out certain things from the news because I can't um, bear the weight of that along with the needs of the person in front of me that I need to care for. So I think those are just some practical things. Yeah. I don't know if either of you have just truths that you hold on to practical things that you do? Well, you quoted Randy Alcorn, and I will say that his book, Heaven, really changed my life in terms of um, 
understanding that this, as he calls it, this is the pre-party. <laughs> We're not going to the afterlife. We're in the pre-party before the real party. And just acknowledging that life is brief. This is a breath. This is a mist, as James says. Um, and just fixing my eyes on what's ahead, that inheritance in heaven that's imperishable and undefiled and waiting for me and waiting for you who are in Christ. And that is the good news, that this life is brief. And so I'd encourage you to pick up a copy of Heaven and read that. It's a very big book. It might be helpful to read it with other people. But it really did renew my mind. I don't think we think about that. We, we're like a YOLO people, right? You only live once. And that's not actually true. That's a lie. So um, purging that lie from my mind and remembering the truth of heaven has been huge. Oh, yeah. I would just say, who do you know in your church body who's gone through a similar thing? It's just been helpful for me to connect with someone or multiple people who have gone ahead of me. It doesn't have to be the exact same situation. In fact, it never will be the exact same situation. But I found comfort and camaraderie in that. Oh, yeah. That's a great, great idea. Because I think we all tend to feel alone and we think nobody gets it. And maybe nobody's been through exactly what we've been through. But there's people who have suffered. And just hearing somebody else's story and just knowing somebody else gets it, um, just what suffering is, is huge. So that's a great, yeah, something we all should do. Well, we've all been changed from, by our suffering. I mean, it has drawn us to God. And we just, I'd just love it if we could just all go around and just talk about how God has changed us in our suffering. And I don't know who wants to, oh, Emily. Yeah, I, honestly, I think it's, it's, this can be hard to see, you know, because it's kind of like, um, you know, watching your kids grow, all of a sudden you notice one day that their pants are like really short. When did that happen? Yeah. Um, because you're with them every day, and so you don't always notice it. And I, th- I think it, I've even had to talk with some friends and have them encourage me of this is how I've seen the Lord work in your life. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, but for me, I think it's just made me long for heaven more. It's made me realize like our weakness, our need for Christ. These all sound like pat answers, but they're not when you're suffering. And you realize that, you know, some of the things that we spend a lot of time on, spend a lot of time thinking about, investing money in relationships is just not going to last for eternity. Um, But I have hope in the resurrection. And I think it just makes me look to him. Mm -hmm. That's really good. I agree. Um, I think one way that suffering has changed me is that it has actually ultimately been freeing you walk through the suffering and you realize it's actually going to be okay. It's true. He, he didn't leave me. He didn't forsake me. He was there. Um, and so I think developing that track record with the Lord, just the long haul of knowing him and walking with him and having him minister to your wounds and experiencing um, just the, the deep peace that comes um, at some point in suffering that he brings, it's freeing. Like suffering's not the enemy. We will suffer in this life, um, and dodging suffering is probably going to be a fruitless endeavor. We, we don't think that. We tend to think we're in control, and we like to be very safe and all the things, but we will suffer, but that's okay. God will be there. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. There's freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Um, two things come to mind for me. One is uh, a greater treasuring of my suffering savior. Um, and in that, uh, a greater appreciation for what Jesus did for me on the cross. That was the darkest day in human history. He went through all of that suffering 
um, the suffering of bearing the Father's wrath so that his people would not need to for me and for all of us. And um, he did so so that I could trust him in my own suffering so that I could know that it's not the end. But it just sheds light for me on the beauty of that, on the beauty of what Christ has done and that there is so much hope because he walked out of the grave. That wasn't the end. And in that, um, knowing that Jesus draws near to me in my pain, we often wonder if God is far away, but in fact, he's right there, just like he showed Thomas the, the nails or the nail scars in his hands. He's right there. He's saying, I, I did that for you, and so I'm here for you in your pain. I, I understand, and I want to be near you. That's the Savior that we have. Um, and in that, I think the second thing for me is just a humbling reality and just realizing I'm a servant of the Lord. He made me. He has a purpose for me. He decides. I don't get to decide, but that's actually really freeing because I don't really want to control my life. I would be a terrible God of my own life. Um, and so just kind of coming to that place of saying, Lord, I'm a servant, you choose and it might be hard, but I know that you're my loving father. And even though sometimes things are, are painful and hard, it's not the end. And you're working out good things for your people. And the proof of that is your son. Yeah. Wow. What a great, great um, explanation of the gospel. You know, and just how our, you know, we can relate. God relates to us through his suffering. And our suffering um, is so pale in comparison to what he has gone through. Um, for me, I feel like God has drawn near to me in my suffering in ways that I know I wouldn't know God the same way. And so I have seen suffering as a real gift. At first, it was a gift I, you know, Johnny says it's a gift wrapped in black, which it is. I mean, it's not a gift that anybody would ask for or embrace. And yet, I feel like it's been a gift for me because until suffering was, you know, with each suffering, I hold on to the world less, I would say, and I hold on more to God. And I had, had this kind of dream analogy a few um, months ago, and it was that God is the gift and this life we have is wrapping paper. And we are all busy looking at each other's wrapping paper, like, oh, I love your wrapping paper. And we have great wrapping paper. But... And, and that's what we focus on is who has the best bows and who has all these wonderful things. And in suffering, the wrapping paper gets torn. And we don't want it to tear. We love the paper. But when it tears, we get a glimpse of the gift. Because wrapping paper is wrapping a gift. And the gift is God. And I feel like for each one of us, we have drawn near to God and actually gotten a glimpse of the gift. And we get that the wrapping paper of perfect families and perfect lives and all those things that we work for, those aren't the gift. The gift is so much deeper and the gift will never go away. Like Randy Alcorn's book in heaven, I mean, the gift is what we get forever. And the wrapping paper will be gone. And so that has really helped me just embrace what God gives us in suffering. And I think if you don't suffer much, you don't really get to see the gift because your wrapping paper is intact and you're really comparing your wrapping paper to everybody else's, or I do. And so I think that's a real gift that we can draw near to God in our suffering, understanding that. So we have time, I think, for just one more question, maybe? 
Okay, so um, we have, how do we keep, or how do you guys, we can all um, keep from getting overwhelmed at the thought of future suffering? Because some of us, you know, I'm just thinking about you, I mean, there's suffering that you know you've been through, but there's more suffering coming. I, I definitely think that's easy, and I think it's one of the scariest things for me in pain or suffering is like, what if this doesn't end, right? If you know there's an end, you can kind of, oh, I'll hang on, but I can get overwhelmed thinking about, well, how would I change a 26-year-old's diaper if that's a thing that becomes a reality for us? Or, you know, what's going to happen when I need to get this grown adult in and out of a car, and I can't lift them anymore, and I can really go down that path, and I think there is a time for wisdom, for preparing for those things, for asking those questions. But when I get to where I'm like drowning in that and it's paralyzing me to just realize, what has the Lord given me to do right now? Has he given me grace for this? Has he provided grace for me to do this right now? And he has. Every time, whatever is right in front of me is actually something he's given me grace to do and to focus on that. Um, I think it's something, actually, Kristen kind of touched on this already, but when, when I remember the cross, when I look back to the cross and the suffering that Jesus endured, and the reality that the Lord was glorified through that, if, if that suffering can be redeemed to glorify God in the greatest way, then any suffering I walk through can also be redeemed to glorify God in the greatest way. There's no suffering that we are enduring for no reason. God will be glorified. It is for our good and it is for his glory. And so I think I, it just helps me to remember the cross and to know that he is for me. If he was willing to endure the pain of the crucifixion, he is on my behalf. Then I know he is for me. He's not against me. And I also know he's victorious because he rose again. So if that can be redeemed for his glory, then anything that I face will also be redeemed for his glory and he will be there. And once again, nothing is new under the sun and the Psalms give us, the whole of scripture gives us language for our feelings. But I love Psalm 56.3 where David says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. So not if I am afraid, <laughs> when I am afraid, because we all experience those fears. Um, and so I put my trust in you. Once again, what does that look like? How do we learn how to trust God? Well, how do you learn how to trust anyone? You have to know who they are. So we open the word, we ask God to increase our faith in who he is. And I think another way is to remember. Scripture talks so much about remembering what God has done. And that's a powerful thing to look back and say, when was the last time I felt this way? I felt overwhelmed by fear of, may, may not even be of suffering, it could be of anything. Um, and how did God show up and prove himself to be faithful? It's often not in the ways that we would expect. Um, but all the more reason to worship him because he does the unexpected so much of the time. So remembrance, I think, is yeah. really helpful too. Yeah, I love that. Cause I, and that's a good reason to journal too, to remember. Because sometimes when we're in a struggle, we, um, we make it through God is with us and then we forget. And so I think it's a great thing just to write even when you're struggling because later you can go back and look at it. And I think for me, the... Um, I always want to um, think about today because God, you know, you kind of mentioned that, Emily, as well. Just God is, you have what you need today, you know, and you just look at the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread and don't worry about the trouble of tomorrow. And so I think that is one thing, you know, 
to keep us from getting overwhelmed is one day at a time. And that's how God meets us. So well, it was wonderful getting to be with all of you today. And yeah, we just, I guess I'll close and pray. Yeah. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time. Lord, I, I just pray for every woman here and everyone listening to this live stream. Lord, we know suffering is hard and it's coming for all of us in different ways. And Lord, I just pray that you would draw near to us, that you would remind us of your word, that you would remind us that your son gave everything for us and that the darkest day turned out to be the best day. And so, Lord, our suffering, when it's dark, you will use it, and we can trust you with that. So, Lord, I just pray for every woman here, every woman listening, Lord, that we would draw near to you because you draw near to us first. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Gospel Coalition podcast. Check out more gospel-centered resources at thegospelcoalition.org.